Welcome to the Light Bears Institute podcast, where we seek to improve biblical literacy by discussing key storylines and themes in Scripture. Welcome to all of our listeners out there. This is the Light Bears podcast. My name is Brett Art with Light Bears Fayetteville, and today I'm joined by our missions director, the Dr. Ryan Martin. And today we're going to talk about the topic of gender identity. And so if you've listened to our podcasts before, we've done various podcasts on Old Testament, New Testament, on theology. We've done some great interviews uh, with missionaries and and some staff. And so I encourage you, uh, if, if, if you haven't listened to much, go look at those. There's some great resources out there. But today's topic is one on gender identity. And so Colossians 2 verse 8 says, see to it that no one holds you captive by hollow and deceptive philosophies that are based on on human tradition or on the elemental spirits of the world. And uh, one of the things our staff, uh, Ryan being there as well, talked about it at one of our staff uh, trainings, retreats a couple of months ago was what are some of these hollow and deceptive philosophies that our students, our light bearer students are facing whether at university or at work or really just in culture. And one of those that we identified was this whole idea or concept of gender identity. And so we're going to try to do a couple of these topics over the next couple podcasts, uh, talking about some of these that we identified as a staff that were these vain and hollow, deceptive philosophies that our students are facing. But today, as I said, we've got Ryan to help us sift through this concept of gender identity. And with that, Ryan, I'll kick it to you. Uh, what was the reason that drove this topic of gender identity? Why was this so needed? Students, they're really living in a gender revolution uh, that would try to put our biological makeup and our gender identity in opposition. But I think even personally for me, rewind back to my teenage years, even my collegiate years, a couple of decades removed from that even. I mean, some of the vocabulary that surrounds this topic I would not have heard, right. much less been able to define. And so I think uh, Albert Moeller, uh, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, he has a quote that I really appreciated that kind of helped, I think, undergird the genesis of this paper and really our discussion around this topic. And he says this, the ideology of the transgender revolution claims that there is a distinction between biological sex and gender identity. And one of those things to note, he goes on to say, is that even as that distinction is deeply problematic from any biblical worldview, the implication of this, indeed the moral imperative of the revolutionaries, is that the gender identity is actually more important than the biological reality. Mm. And so I think it's just important for students to not listen to every wave and wind of doctrine or even the culture around them, but to really go back to the scriptures and understand why is it that God cares about our bodies? Why is it then in turn that we should care about our bodies because of the way that scripture defines it? Even that distinction of that, how you identify yourself and your, your biological gender can be different. And so uh, I believe we have a, a topic that we'll talk about, and you correct me, Ryan, if I'm wrong, on postmodernism. Mm-hmm. But I think of the the very influential in Western thought, Jean-Paul Sartre, and this kind of existentialism that that your essence precedes your existence. So really what you feel 
is, is kind of the driver of really your reality. And we kind of see that, right? I mean, this is again, what you're saying of, of what you feel in your gender identity can be separate than your actual biology in that. And so, the, I mean, this is everywhere. And so, uh, again, uh, we want to think about this as, as Christians, as, uh, as a ministry, but even with our students biblically and, and see what scripture has to say on that. So I'll, I'll, again, kick this back to you. Why is it important for students and for people to make sure our identity and our gender is cared about in what scripture says? I think, you know, God cares about our bodies. I mean, to simply state it, because he cares about our bodies, he ultimately controls our bodies, um, you know, and that's because he is the creator of all things and that we are in turn then created in his image. And I think, you know, while the impact of the fall certainly does affect our bodies, the gospel we see brings redemption even to our biological makeup. And ultimately we'll see that in the new heavens and the new earth as we're given new bodies. But also I think even in how we think about the way that we treat our bodies even now. Mm-hmm. I was reading David Platt's book, Counterculture, and he says this, that the gospel's light infuses all of our sexuality. Thus, the gospel gives us a new identity, and it brings implications to bear on our identity and how we treat our bodies. Paul states this similarly, I think, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13, when he says that the body is meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And so our bodies have therefore been created by God, as we see even in Genesis 1, but also been created for God. And I think this is really a, a foundational truth. Mm. Uh, we see it. You know, in Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And at the pinnacle of that creation, Genesis 1, 27, we see that of all the things that God created, he created us as mankind in his image. And so that takes the cake, if you will, in terms of the way that we relate to one another and the way that God sees us and created us is distinct from all other, other things. I think we even see it as we look from Genesis 1 to Genesis 2. Uh, Genesis 1 is really kind of the Google Earth view, if you will, of, of God creating us as man and woman. Genesis 2 is really the, the street view, if you will. You know, I think that, you know, God, we see that God created man in his image. And so there's an aspect of biblical manhood and womanhood that man was, mm-hmm. was created first, but then also that God created man in his image. And so there's a uniqueness to being created in the image of God, as I stated but then also, too, that he created them male and female. And so there's a, a distinction there that is important to God and that is important for us then to live out in the ways that God has created us and to not confuse that, uh, not contort that in any way or in any, in any fashion. Yeah, I think of, um, oh gosh, I, I don't know if it's the end of Genesis 1 or 2, but but when he says, uh, and the man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. Just think about that of the man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. And, and there's a lot to that, but also not ashamed of their masculinity or their femininity. And then obviously in Genesis three, we see sin coming in and bringing shame and distortion of, of even our, our very genders and, and, and uh, anyway, so. And if I can chime in there, I think even one thing too, that we see repetitively throughout the creation account is that after God created something, what did he do? He called it good. good. That's right. And then with mankind, he called it very good. That's right. And so I think that's just important for us to to recall is that, you know, there's anytime we see something repeated in scripture, we need to slow down and pay attention and recognize that even the goodness of God creating us male and female. That's right. In that distinguishing roles and, and biological makeup, there's a point in that. And so 
again, we don't need to need to try to change yeah. that which God has called good. Let me, um, something you said there uh, a little earlier, you mentioned how the gospel does shape and affects how we view uh, gender, how we view our identity. And so I'm going to, I'm going to read this because I, I love what, what you said here. We we'll love what you put and I'll let you kind of expound on that. Uh, but you say the cross should mark our identity and the gospel should mark our gender. Uh, and so speak into that a little bit. Well, how does practically the gospel speak into our gender and our identity there? Yeah. I think oftentimes we think that God is only concerned with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, right. and yet not with our bodies, that we have autonomous control over that. Uh, but I think the the Bible speaks contrary to that. I mean, right. I think even for the fact that you look at the incarnation, that our bodies are important to God because Christ himself even took on human flesh. And he had to do that in order to die for us in our place, to be our propitiation. Uh, David Platt, in that same book I was reading, Counterculture, says that Jesus not only died for our bodies, but he was born and lived with a body. We tend to minimize the incarnation of Jesus, Platt says. He didn't come just as a spirit to die for our sins, but as a child who would grow up among sinners. And so I think, you know, we see that he would ultimately die giving up his body for us and then be raised in bodily form that we may have full redemption and reconciliation with God. And so, you know, our lives should be marked by repentance. Mm. God does call us to be holy because he himself is holy. And yet we know that we will ultimately one day be perfected and be made full and complete in the image and likeness of Christ. But that only comes at the point of glorification when we reach heaven. Mm. But in this life, there is a direction of progressive sanctification, if you will, continually turning from sin and turning towards Christ. And so, I think that should be freeing for uh, right. anyone who has dealt with dispositions of, of tweaking their identity uh, or been caught up in you know, other sexual sins as it relates to their identity, to their gender, and to recognize that ultimately their identity as a child of God is first and foremost what matters. And yet at the same time, that should then in turn inform their identity as a human being in the way that God has created them uniquely as male or as female. Uh, we'll just go on to uh, note Platt's quote here that he says that the God of the universe cares for you deeply. He sees your body as invaluable, as priceless, as an eternal treasure for his handiwork. And so when you trust Christ, no matter what sexual sins you've committed with your body, you can be sure that one day God's going to raise that sin sick body and give you a glorified body. Amen. That's good. Yeah. You know, one of the things we even, uh, w- with, uh, this gender identity, as you're saying, kind of this gender revolution in culture today, one of the things we've even at, as light bears, as the staff have said of going to that phrase of you are eternally male or eternally female. And as you're saying, your, your bodies, praise God, our bodies will be raised, uh, right. Our bodies will be like Christ's body, right? Christ was the first fruits, but our bodies also will be raised. And so we're not this Gnostic overly spiritual, not just a spiritual, being, but we do have physical bodies that Christ will raise and make new. And that gender, right? That maleness or femaleness is what we will have in eternity. We're not some spiritual eunuch, uh, but that the Lord does, again, as you're saying, value our bodies in in that maleness or femaleness, uh, not just in this life, but in the life to come, our bodies will be raised. We are eternally male or eternally female. And I think even too, you know, here on this earth, I think, you know, the importance of of how we live and recognizing that it's not you do you, 
Right, um, right. But rather, you know, as Ed Shaw uh, in some of his writings reminds us that God does want you to be the real you, the way that he has created you to be. Uh, he does want you to be true to yourself, but the you that he wants you to be is the you that you are by his grace, uh, not by nature, ultimately. And yet, at the same time, recognizing that he has created you distinctly as male and female, uniquely as, as right. such. and so. To, to live that out, but to live that out in, in a redeemed way. And so the thing that defines you the most, as Ed Shaw would go on to write, is that the thing that defines you the most is not your sexuality, uh, but your status in Christ, Amen. Uh, that you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Praise God. Uh, well, obviously, Ryan, there's much more we could say to this, and, and yet wanting to keep this uh, uh, relatively brief, but um, real quick, uh, I'll look to you. Is there been a book or resource that, that you wouldn't mind sharing that would be helpful for those listening if they want to know more information on gender identity? Yeah, there's a few that I would reference that kind of helped, uh, helped me think through this and even helped uh, us as a staff develop uh, a resource paper that we use internally as, as a staff. Uh, I would point to Sharon James's book, Gender Ideology, What Do Christians Need to Know?, uh, it was super helpful as far as just some definition of terms. Again, I uh, referenced that uh, earlier in the podcast uh, just to be able to help help us understand the difference between some of these terms that are getting thrown around now. And then also it had a helpful question and answer section that were just some, some quick questions in regards to gender identity that uh, I found helpful. Uh, also, I, I noted uh, David Platt's book, Counterculture, has a great chapter on there. And then also Ed Shaw's book, Same Sex Attraction in the Church, as well as Claire Smith's book, God's Good Design, what the Bible mm. has to say about men and women. Mm. That book I would find uh, to be super helpful when it comes to understanding not only gender identity, but also then biblical manhood and womanhood and how to rightly live out those roles in the family, in the home, in the church, and in the world. Yeah. And I'd uh, just, again, encourage listeners out there, as, as Ryan mentioned, some of those definitions. It's important for us as, as Christians to be able to know some of these definitions that the world is using and how they define these things, but also to know what the Bible says, how the Bible defines these things. And uh, maybe you've heard the phrase, those who define the terms control the conversation. And so we want to make sure we're not playing with gender, how the world defines it, but as believers, we want to define it in what scripture, have it rooted in scripture. And so again, as Ryan said, there's some resources there. Well, thanks for listening and please join us next time on our Lightbearers podcast. You've been listening to the Lightbearers Institute podcast, a production of Lightbearers Ministries. For more information, visit lightbearers.com. Lightbearers.com.